it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is us after week 13. What a week we've just had. My name is Cameron Hobbs, joined to pick apart all the PCs. Paul Mitchell, Gordon McGuinness, and of course the Packers won, so Charles Patterson. Can I just we... put... No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. All right. Just before we go any further, two things. First of all, can I put on record I have turned up when they haven't won. I also haven't turned up when they have won. And I'd also like to make an appeal out there to anyone listening... Please, 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 could you speak to Cameron Hobbs offline and try and sort out his internet? It is an absolute <laughs> bloody disaster. We are 22 minutes late in starting tonight. I've got things to do. Gordon's got what Mother Will to Watch Get Pumped. Paul's got Scotland to Watch Get Pumped uh, in the Women's International. And Cameron's got a baby to go and look after. So could somebody please mail in your suggestions on how Cameron can get better Wi-Fi? Because it's getting ridiculous. It's every week. It's it every bro- week. His broadband's gone on IR. That's it's, what it is. It's terrible. I, I won't name the company um, that's responsible for it. They've told us there's nothing they could do about it. So thanks, Sky. But um, yeah, we'll just have to put up with it. Um, let's get straight into the headlines then. Uh, and an eventful week for all of our teams. I think some, well, three three things of success that we can gloat in. And then there's Paul Mitchell, um, who gets to welcome back Jameis Winston to his team for, what's that now, the third time this season and possibly see him next week as well, depending on how banged up his car is. Um, but we'll come to that in just a minute. We'll start with you, first of all, Gordon, because I think that if you're looking at teams... To, to not play a game and move forward is impressive, especially at this time of the season. But there's a lot of pieces fell perfectly into place for you this week. Rather delightfully. I think the only one that went against the Ravens was uh, the commanders not laying a glove on the Dolphins. Um, the fact that the Ravens now have scenarios whereby they don't need to win out to be the number one seed is really quite impressive. Still don't think they'll do it, but they're in a far better position than they were before. Which of the results was the most significant for you? Uh, most significant was the Chiefs, because the Chiefs have, I think, outside of the game against the Bills this week, they've got a pretty easy run in. Um, but you could also point to the Jaguars losing, but also losing Trevor Lawrence, so he might not play when the Ravens play them in two weeks. And then I think you've got to just talk about the absolute banter that was the Steelers getting pumped in our delayed game, the Browns picking up the Ravens Super Bowl winning quarterback and still not winning. It was it was just a tremendously enjoyable week where you got to have a little bit of a giggle and the Ravens moved up the standings. Well, actually, officially they moved down the standings, but their chances on finishing atop the standings went up. Yes, indeed. So, Charles, we've just mentioned the game that was most significant was the Chiefs game. Uh, the Packers' resurgence has been quite something. Um, I'm sure I told you so is going to follow here briefly, but I don't think anybody expected Green Bay to come away with a win, never mind the manner in which they did it, which was impressive as much on defense as it was on offense. So, I don't want to talk about Jordan Love. 
I don't want to talk about the Packers. I want to talk about you, Cameron Hobbs, and you, Gordon McGuinness, and you, Paul Mitchell. And actually, Ian Stephen is culpable here too, but he's not in the room to hear it. The pussy that he is not turning up after his Eagles got whipped. I'll I tell you, um, the, pussy, the pussy is you saying that when he's not on the podcast. because you No, 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 no. I think I have my time here. 11th of October, 2023. What is broken with the Packers? Quote, unquote, Cameron Hobbs. 11th of October. He plays the same game every week. Gordon McGuinness. 25th of October. Let's just put it out there. Jordan Love is pish, by the way. Can we all just acknowledge that? Gordon McGuinness. <laughs> he is not good. Cameron Hobbs. Fairweather podcaster. Yeah, love is crap. Cameron Hobbs. I told you when Green Bay beat the Saints in week number two, that, or in week number three, that Jordan Love wasn't very good. I stand by that. Paul Mitchell. Uh, we've still got, to be fair, Paul Mitchell, caveat, we've still got to give him the season to find out. Um, Gordon McGuinness, the vo- the give him the season because you'll be in a half-decent position to draft a quarterback in the next draft. That, that's I, I can continue. No, hang on. I'm con- that's con- the only let me continue. One that I disagree with. To come off, to come off out of a bye week, it's a bad state of affairs. Cameron Hobbs. In his first season, Rogers was lights out the moment he stepped on the field, said Ian Stephen, which was false because they were six and ten in his first season. Jordan Love is turn the lights out when you leave. So I, I'm all gonna, I'm going to say, all I'm going to say, no, just, just no, I'm no, going to no, finish no, here. No, all I'm going to okay, say finish, is finish your point. My my point is this: I am not going to talk about Jordan Love any more than I've already done. I've said that I will judge him at the end of the season, and I think that the Packers will be an eight and nine, nine and eight team. I've not changed that. I'll stand by that. I think that the three of you owe Green Bay, Brian Gutekunst, and all those long-suffering Green Bay fans out there an apology for being so rude and being so judgmental and completely shit takes, as usual, from the three of you on this podcast. I never said anything about judging him. And I've got it all on audio. I've got it all written down. I said, I'll wait until the end of the season. I said, if he bottoms out by a week by week 12, then there's a conversation to be had. But I never judged it. You lot are full of pish, and it's official so now. I, I, will, I will take and I will apologize for my final statement in that list because <laughs> I think that one was incorrect and harsh, and it's been proven to be wrong. I'll half apologize for when I said he was pish because he was pish at that point. He might be listening, Gordon. The, I mean, the, I mean, you've hurt his feelings. The early October one, where <laughs> I said he played, he plays the same game every week. That was after like the first six weeks where he did play the same game every week. There was just some games where he his bad throws got picked off and he didn't. So I'm not apologizing for that one because that was a hundred percent correct. Anyway, I like Jordan Love. He was very good this week. But but but, but you said he's pish, by the way. So yeah. have you changed well, your no, mind? Well, what what <laughs> what what date was that? What date was the pish one? Twenty fifth of October at forty minutes and five seconds, just so you know. That that's the one I just said I'll half apologize for. It was a little bit harsh. He hasn't played particularly <laughs> well up until that point. The one before that though, I was absolutely spot on. At the time I said that, he had played the same game for six weeks or however much it was. I where you're wrong though, is I think the Packers should be aiming for better than nine and eight at this point. Well, I'm not going to make any snap judgments. I never have done, I never will do. I think you should all be apologizing you've, to you've Brian Gudikins for three made, years, three years made, of made. slaughtering the pick, slaughtering the franchise for making the pick, slaughtering 
Aaron Rodgers uh, and his chances of getting to the Super Bowl. Oh, if you'd selected a wide receiver or if you'd selected a better uh, defensive end or something like that, you'd go to the Super Bowl. It okay. was never I, like that. I mean, that is well, not the way that Green Bay operate. They many, drafted a quarterback. How many Super with a Bowls plan. did they get to with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love on the roster together? None. I'll so, tell you what happened in the three seasons when the two of them were on the roster together in the championship game against Tampa. Rogers choked, and so did Kevin King. All right, that's all. That's what happened. So you're, the following you're season, the, the following season, you're asking me. I'll tell you. The following season, in in the snow against San Francisco, one of Cameron's all-time favorite days against uh, the Green Bay, they choked again. Rogers choked, and the special teams unit choked. All right, Jordan Love had nothing to do with that. All right, well, and then the fall, and then and then last not on season, the pitch. exactly, because he's exactly. not on the pitch. But if they uh-huh. drafted T Higgins over him, then there's a good chance that they have opportunities to it, win both it, no, those games. No, it wouldn't have made any difference because Rogers oh, choked twice, nonsense. twice. And I tell you nonsense. what, here's here's my what final rev- thought on this. What revisionist mince? It's not it's not revisionist mince. And here's my final is. thought on this. Okay, look at Brian Gudekunst and what he did in the off season. He shifted Rogers for a second round pick, which is getting better by the week. They shifted out Alan Lazard. It literally, they shifted out it literally is not getting Cobb. better by the week because it would have been a first, but Rogers went down with an Achilles injury. It is getting better by the week because at, it at the moment it's about pick 38. It's going to be probably pick 34 or 33 at this rate, the way that they're playing. At and the start of the season, it was going to be a one though. Well, it could have been a one if he'd played 75% of the snaps, but that's completely irrelevant. The bottom line is this. I would far rather be in a position that the Green Bay Packers are in right now than the New York Jets. And I am completely comfortable with the decision-making of the franchise over the last three or four years. And so I think you all owe Mr. Love, who you've hurt his feelings with the way he's been playing, and I think you all owe Brian Gutekunst an apology. If but I you're could not get a word because you're all shite bags. If I could get a word in edgeways, that would be nice. Uh, let me just address a couple of things. You were right. Of course, Charles, I did say you had to be given to the end of the season. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not changing my mind on that. I will, however, take issue. If we're going to stop being judgmental and having shit takes, the podcast will come to an end. It's dead. It's dead. You know, <laughs> no, that, that's what we're here for. Um, so, so there we I'm go. I'm just taking my, ch- my opportunity to slap you on the face and for you to yeah, just admit that you're wrong, which doesn't well, happen very often. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not admitting I'm wrong. I'll, I'll give them till the end of the season and see where it goes. Excellent. I have to say... I, I think we've we've got to look at the other side of this and say, are the Chiefs in trouble? You know, if you look at it, I mean, the, you don't expect them to go in to lose to Jordan Love's Packers. That that's a pretty simple thing. If you looked at the the picks, I think it was eighty eighty five percent were going Kansas City. So I'm just you just thinking that they might have a wee problem on their hands. Well, we've we've talked for weeks about the fact that they don't have any res, a decent receiving core, and Travis Kelsey's clearly not the Travis Kelsey was last year. I- so I, I think Kelsey is still the same player, but the problem is is that they either they don't have anyone else who is a good enough receiver or Mahomes doesn't trust anyone else enough. You saw during that game, there's almost like a delay where Mahomes goes back to pass. He looks for the first option that's covered. He looks for Kelsey. The Packers did a really good job of just saying, we're not, we're not letting Kelsey get the ball as much as possible. We're going to have multiple people around him. And at that point, Mahomes doesn't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, they, they just, I mean, you give credit to Green Bay. You've got to go out and win these games, and they did so. And Love was functional. He uh, did all right. This, though, like, I, I, like, you have to give oh, credit. Oh, God. Like, this was, 
Love played really well. Functional. And... Excellent. Love played really well. Yeah, and it was Tom Brady was functional for 20 years. Oh, oh Lamar on, Jackson's functional when he hang runs on. with the ball. Sorry, sorry, we've jumped the shark. We've gone from my demand. No, no, no I'm just I, I, I just love it. I love to I love to Paul's grudging him, acceptance that something, something might Brady. happen. Absolute nonsense. Anyway, uh more more so than Love being really good, though, I thought the Packers game plan on offense was really good. Their game plan on defense was really good. Uh, The one thing that I would submit in evidence here is if we were too quick to dismiss him, I think we're also too quick to celebrate that he is the next coming of... I never said he was. Rogerson. I never Um, said he was. No, I never said he was. But I think that what we are starting to see now is positive signs. I think that's a combination of him being better as a player and growing. He's been given the chance to do so, which is great. I think his offensive coordinator is clearly scheming better. Helps that his wide receivers could catch this week. They were certainly very wide open. I think in there as well, let's be honest, there was probably some pickable plays that he benefited from being ambitious and pushing the edge. I think... Uh, the sort of plays that other quarterbacks may have also had accused of them as being pickable plays and being a bit lucky for getting away with it. But do you Not know what? That's, that's, I, I thought the one to Watson at the back of the end zone was definitely Oh, catchy. no like, way. Interceptable. No. Definitely that, was. The way he dropped that in, I, was I, that was a pickable I, play. I, I hate I hate how this podcast has at times made me defend the Steelers and now you're making me defend... Pickable something. play. He plopped it. He plopped it. That was was, not that that was one of the best throws of the week. That was not. It was put (laughs) in a place where only the receiver can win it. The flip the the throw by Trevor Lawrence last night that Calvin Ridley caught, that's an interceptable throw in the in the end zone. Jordan Love's one wasn't. It was a really, really good throw. And by the way, Cameron, (laughs) this is not something that's just happened overnight. This is something that's been growing through the season. But then, of course, you all dismissed him after week seven and you stopped watching him. You can see the growth in the player. And I said this about six weeks ago. He's got the physical attributes. He's got the arm strength. He just needs the experience on the field. He needs his receivers to play a bit better. And he needs the offensive play calling. And that's exactly what's happened. I am not going to judge him in terms of being a franchise superstar until the end of the year. If they get to the playoffs, it's going to be largely because of him. And that's um, I also, where I will give credit to the Packers front office is... You know, hang on. No, hang on. So we're get just to, to update the uh, listeners here. We're now getting shown um, Cameron's screen share. This doesn't happen very often. He's really trying to make a point here. And he's that trying to justify the fact that the, the pass... That- to was Christian Watson was play. ploppable. It's not. It's not a pickable play. It's it's up and down, right? It's got. A, it's what it's got is a heavy drop on it. Comes down quick, but look at the hand there of the defender. That defender can at least bat that away. That is not in a place where only the receiver can get it because the defender can get it there. I've got a freeze frame here. I'll screenshot it and I'll put it out there. For me, that is, <laughs> I think, a brilliant throw. I don't take that away. 
My point is... What is your point? Is, are you trying to justify the fact that it was a really good throw? Or are you trying to, think, you're trying to give an excuse it was a shit throw? He's, he's <laughs> been he's the benefactor of some very good offensive play calling, some much more accurate throwing on his part, and he's been aggressive and lucky too. I think there's a combination there. I think it could have been quite easily a different isn't, story. Isn't every quarterback out in the land aggressive and lucky? Absolutely. You can't, you can't but, win without being lucky. My point is that other quarterbacks <laughs> have been criticised for getting... Getting away with things when who? they've continually been getting away with it. You know fine well who. Who? You know fine well who we're talking about here. We, no. we he is who we think he is. Who? Hang on, sorry. Is this a Brock Purdy thing? Because if you're going to, this a Brock someone, Purdy thing. So are you are you going down the Brock <laughs> Purdy doesn't get respect narrative? Because he's the MVP favorite. <laughs> no. Which I'm going to which I'm going to get to in a rant later on. Not saying because that's a nonsense. That's a nonsense. He's this ridiculous. Cameron, um, Cameron, please. My point so, is, can can I share? Have... Can I share? Can I share my screen? Yes, you can. I, it, I you think need to, you, you need to you need to enable me to do it. Sorry, folks. This is a really shit way of doing a podcast. So it's a. So dreadful... send your complaints to chobbs at i have no internet dot com. It is a dreadful way of doing it. But as you listen to us talk about this, go and find the full game of Sunday Night Football. Go and watch Jordan Love's throw with five minutes to go in the third quarter, 5.28 to go in the third quarter. Watch a couple angles from it because I'm about to school Cameron on <laughs> what this throw is. Because we're going to watch the full play and you're going to... Oh dear. We should, I'm, I'm, we should really video this. I think we should send yeah. this out on video for Patrick. Yeah. Oh right, okay. So, we're going to analyse this, this play. This, We've you, never done this before. You cannot you cannot share this anywhere because I would get fired. Just to be very... Oh, clear. I was just about to record so is this. Hang on, is this content? <laughs> can we talk about this content? Yes, we can talk like, about this right, content. Okay, fine. We can talk about this content, okay? So right. he goes back to throw. Uh-huh. On, ooh, on the blitz as well. There Watson we go. here at the top is coming inside there. Yeah. And Jordan Love places this behind there. That's not interceptable. That is not remotely interceptable. And watch it from the end zone view. You'll see this. The position of that ball is up and away from the defender. It's exactly how you are supposed to throw a ball into the end zone for a big receiver like that. It's up and away. The defensive back has no hope of intercepting that. And the only place that ball gets caught, the options there are that's incomplete or it's caught by the receiver. But even if you look at the height, it's not like Christian Watson has to go to an a height that he's not capable of going to. That's a phenomenal throw. It's one of the best throws of the of the week. Sexy throw, isn't it? Could Lamar that, throw like that? That second angle does add a different view on things. <laughs> I will agree. I still think it was battable, but perhaps not catchable by the defender. I'll give it that. Here's a question for you, Paul. Could Derek Carr make a throw like that? <laughs> Every quarterback in the NFL could make a throw like that. because Even Jameis the Winston? They've got the potential to do it. Jameis would have thrown it to the wrong team, but, I mean, he's got the potential to, to do it. Can I just say, if we can move away from the Green Bay loving, because it's, you know, that hey. was, was unintentional as well. Um, I actually followed the, the Saints game uh, via text and very angry uh, text messages coming in from my son. The Saints, if you look at it, this was an important game for the Saints trying to bounce back after Atlanta. And all of a sudden, they're 21-0 down in the first quarter. Um, how do you guys feel about, you know, they're trying to spin well. If you look at the rest of the game, you know, we came back, we played it close, we nearly won it. I'd say I just don't buy that. I mean, you're 21-0 down in the the first, 
you know, of the first quarter, you know, you can't just suddenly look at the other three quarters and say, well, we did okay in them. I, I just, I, I hate when managers and coaches try and deflect like that. It was a rotten start from a game that they had to come out and start quickly, and they were terrible. It's the equivalent of we won the second half, right? It's the same thing. Well, we won the second half, it's fine. Great. <laughs> the, the NFC South is this is this is what I'm confident is not coming back to to bite me. The NFC I'm taking South notes. is pish. <laughs> it is a dreadful division. Comfortably the worst division in the NFL. Like is not it, even not even close. Is it worse than the NFC East of what, what was it now? Four years ago? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is because it's not even it's not even good to watch. It's not even remotely entertaining. And the the, the, uh, the good the good, th- the good thing for the NFL is that it's not the NFC East, therefore they're not obliged to show it on Fox or in primetime. They can just yeah. cast it into the dustbin. Yeah, let's let's also remember the NFC West about ten years ago was awful. Mm, so it was terrible start. too. Seahawks well, got to the playoffs despite having a losing record. So yeah, yeah. So you do you do get this from time to time. Um but you know, the flip side to that. Credit to the Lions for coming in and doing what they had to do. Um, you know, good good on them for that. But yeah, the, the Saints are a mess. They're one of a number of teams that are a mess in that in that division. Uh, we mentioned the Panthers last week. Uh, the Buccaneers finding their way past them. But yeah, it's it's just not it's just not great from from does, a Saints perspective. Does a Derek Carr injury get Dennis Allen a pass? No. Is that the fear? Not from yeah. Paul. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've said it from from week one and said it from preseason. Saints don't win that division. He, he has to be fired. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, if if you then go with the narrative that that the Saints in the building will tell you, well, if Carr goes down, we've got Jameis Winston, the best backup quarterback in the league. Yaddy yaddy yeah. Uh, no. It clearly isn't. <laughs> it, well, it, it ain't working, and that and that's for sure. And it just you find yourself in that middle point where the coach does enough to keep his job, and you give him another year. I think that he's in his other year, and if he's not successful, the Saints will turn it around. The the interesting thing for the Saints for me is that the really difficult thing for them about the NFC South being as bad as it is is that the Saints will be in that right up until week 18. Winner or not, they'll be in it up until week 18. It would be great, and I don't know, maybe he's not even healthy, but it would be great to be able to play the young quarterback. Was it Hayner they drafted? They traded up to draft this year? Yeah, but... Like, can you find, find out if he's any good? Because the Saints the Saints are 100% in the market for drafting a quarterback in the first round at this point. Or should be, whether or not they are. They'll probably draft an oversized edge defender. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the Saints have got to be looking quarterback corner. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Or or you delay it a year and say that if the coaching staff goes, Carr gets a reset. Um, because it's yeah, but you know what working. Derek Carr is, though? He's not going to yeah. change. He's never going to be a guy that's going to get you anywhere other than possibly into the wild card round. He's not. He's 10 years into his career. That's it. I have to say, like it's I, I've always felt like Derek Carr's just been on the wrong side of the track. Like uh, with the Raiders, they were so dysfunctional for so long, and I always felt those flashes of what Carr could do, and I was like, ah, oh, maybe he's just a great guy in the wrong team. A bit like Philip Rivers, you always felt like, ah, oh, Philip Rivers, what quarterback? That Chargers team's really holding him back, and then he goes somewhere else, and actually, he's exactly the same, and you're like, 
Uh, yeah, I would say Philip Rivers. I, th- I would say peak Philip Rivers was decidedly better than peak. Significantly better. I agree completely. But what I mean is, like, it just always felt like th- there was something there that was holding him back. But then he moved on, and he just wasn't. It was the same issues that he had um, at the Chargers. He just took elsewhere, and I feel like Derek Carr's done the same thing. Now he's coming to the Saints at not particularly good time. Do you give him another roll of the dice? I don't know. I think he's going to the Saints at a very good time. I think he came to the Saints at a really good time because actually the pieces are there for the Saints to win this division. And on paper, they should be. But they're pish. And he's been injured half the season. I don't think that's helped. But they've got a good wide receiver in Alave. They've got a good running back. They've meant to have a good offensive line and a good defense. So I don't think there's any excuse there. He did, he did come at the good time. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And he's not been injured quite as often as that. But just to throw something to Gordon, though, if you're Dennis Allen, you might still be slightly in contention. Jake Heener, I think Fresno State, I can't remember oh, no, what that, round. That's what I mean, though. That, that's uh, yeah, but that, let, let me, sorry, Gordon, let, just interrupt you. I can't see why, what Dennis Allen would necessarily gain in trying to keep his job by throwing the young guy in unless he proves to be sensational. I'm Just from Dennis Allen's perspective, it might look it's a desperate move rather than a, a considered coaching move. I, I agree entirely. So what my point was, was the fact that the NFC South... So let's, let's say the Saints are not a good team just now, which I think based on the record is fair. If the NFC South was better they'd pretty much be a week or two away from the season being over and then being out of the playoff hunt. At that point, you could have a three, four-week run where you go, okay, we're going to hand the reins to Hayner. If he's half decent, then maybe we've got something to build on for next year. If he's terrible, we pick higher and we get another quarterback. The The position the Saints are in is they will be contending up until week 18. So it will be Carr or Winston the whole way because that's how they think they get into the playoffs. And, and I don't even... I don't even disagree with that as a concept because the very nature of the NFL playoffs whereby it's single game elimination, you should you should try and get into the playoffs if you can because you only need to luck your way into three wins and all of a sudden you're playing the Super Bowl at that point. So I I'm not I'm not suggesting that they should go to Jake Hayner, but I just mean that if you think about it, if you're if you're thinking about this three, four, five years down the line, the most beneficial thing for the Saints to know right now would be is that young guy potentially our future or should we be drafting one in round one the next year yeah that's fair that's fair i can't believe we've made it so long into this podcast that we've not talked about the patriots game uh, we don't want it we don't even want to talk about it on this thursday let's go back to let's very quickly go through some of the others because the cowboys seahawks mm. what game that was right we'll come to that in a little bit because we'll get to the belt of conversations and there's nominations on both sides um, the Colts-Titans, a really good game, obviously went to overtime, ultimately won by a field goal. Uh, lots lots to like, some stinking play on both sides there as well. The Jets-Falcons was a jobby, as was the Patriots-Chargers. The Texans-Broncos was a great game, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, brilliant to see the Texans continue. Horrible injury for Tank Dell there. Um, the Cardinals getting an upset against the Steelers, and let's be honest, it is. Kyler Murray was playing very well. The Steelers' season's a mess. The Dolphins dominated the Commanders. Obviously, we'll talk about the Niners and the Eagles as well when we're doing the Belter. Uh, the one, uh, the Bengals obviously had their overtime win against the Jaguars and fair play to Browning, who looked tremendous. Um, the last one, obviously, the Rams beat the Browns. Gordon, what was it like seeing Joe Flacco play in a Browns uniform? 
Uh, it was very, very similar to how I remember him playing in a Ravens uniform for most of the time. Makes some good throws, has some zip in his throws, and has some absolute turkeys of interceptions that he just wraps <laughs> up. Uh, I, so our, at PFF, our head of video um, is a Browns fan. So me and him text a lot during games. And when Flacco threw, I think it was in the third quarter, the interception whereby he just gets a little bit panicked in the pocket and just throws it, throws it up, the safety intercepts it. I texted him and I was like, I have seen that interception way too many times. <laughs> Jameis Winston's brother, that's who it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's very, very similar. Let's be honest, there's a very similar thing between the two of them. Um, right, let's let's have a look at the nominations for Belter this week, because obviously some conversations around that. The I'm doing this in alphabetical order. So some homerism will be accused. But up first, we've got Paddy Kelly just gives it to the Niners. Mightily impressive win. Didn't seem like the game would go that way after the first quarter, but the Niners were brilliant. That rematch for the AFC Championship will be excellent. I'll be fascinated if it's the championship for the AFC. Mm. That would be quite the turn. But that's, yeah. how, that's how strong the NFC is. It just infects its way over. Was that, was that a Paddy error or was that you now pronouncing the wrong conference? That was a Paddy error. Sorry, Paddy. Everyone's taking shots at everyone tonight on the podcast. You're getting brought into this one too. Um, Ross Taylor, he gives it to the Niners D. I know the offense will get all the credit, but the defense played the Eagles absolutely perfect. Set the edge and then just dominated them. A blueprint on how to play the Eagles? Question mark. Brock Purdy gets a couple of nominations. Steve Briggs gives him one, the biggest win of the week and a totally dominant performance for the Niners and they didn't even start playing till the second quarter. Great game by Purdy against the Niners' biggest rival for the number one seed in the NFC in the Eagles' backyard too. The Niners are unstoppable when they play like this. 84 combined points against arguably the NFC's second and third best teams got to be Super Bowl favourites, question mark. There's also a Beltler off a game lined up for 11.15am on the 26th of December. Um, I'll not be setting up to watch that, Gordon, I'll be honest. 11.15am? 11.15am. Oh, fuck, 1.15am. <laughs> I'd like it, I'd watch it if it was 11.15. Yeah, you'd, you'd be up at 11. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not staying up. I, well, it depends. It depends how much sherry I have. Oh, yeah, there's no way I'm getting up to that. You can't be Christmas doing anything day. on Boxing Day that's that important, surely. What, what, no family I mean, stuff to do. I mean, I, I will be because we'll move all our content plans from like Christmas Day to Boxing Day. So Boxing Day for me is going to be an absolute shitter of a day, to be honest. So I'll probably need to just get up and watch it in the morning. But if I get drunk enough on Christmas Day, then I'll be staying up. I am going to stop there briefly because I'm going to talk about the Brock Purdy stuff and give my view on this one. Um, I think the, the Niners' performance I took me off totally by surprise. I genuinely expected us to take a bit of a doing in Philadelphia. Why? You know, the, the I don't understand points, why. Because because there's no evidence the to suggest is. that. The defense is so good. Like on the Eagles, they're so powerful. It's not really though. Nobody stopped them. No, the Nobody defensive line. The, no, you know, the defensive line is decent, but loads of teams have been scoring on the Eagles in the last month or so. Yes, the cornerbacks get, are not good. I and I, but I think our cornerbacks are worse. And actually, our cornerbacks played a hell of a game. I was actually really impressed the, with our the secondary. O- the, the other thing, I mean, I know Gordon was fascinated by the line. I thought the line was. Eh, I could understand. You know, the Eagles should have been favourites, I thought, being at home. But they had just been through the mill in three consecutive weeks. And the, the problem now is they have to go to Dallas and they're going to have to do it all again. 
So it, I think they're... Grind you down. Yes, they are potentially going to have the little bad run of form that the Niners had early in the season, and we've bounced back from it. So, you know, the, the, to be honest, you kind of want your team to have one of these during the season, because if you get a bit too cocky all the way through, you maybe take it for granted, and that's when you fold when you get to the postseason, and things get extra competitive. The point I was going to come on to is, of all the people I would have picked out in that, whilst Brock Purdy played really well... I don't think there was anything he did that was sensational. So much of what was done was because of the effort of his receivers after they caught the ball. Uh, even the Ayuk touchdown, slightly in front of him, it was a great catch from Ayuk. Brilliant to keep his hand under it um, mm. and make sure that as the ball moved, it didn't touch the ground. I think that Debo Samuel, all of his touchdowns were down to Debo Samuel. Um, the Kittle big run that he had was great play by Kittle. Brock did what he needed to do. He was clean. He wasn't stupid. He didn't make mistakes. He was great, but I don't think he's anywhere near the conversation for me. Um, and I don't think that, and I think the MVP thing's false because it's, I can't believe I'm saying this. Just, this way it's set up to play is suitable. He doesn't need to do that much. So, he just needs to be careful and clever and time it right. And it will be, that'll be great. Two things are true. One, he is the perfect quarterback for the Shanahan system. He's an even better fit than um, Jimmy Garoppolo was just like doesn't make a ton of mistakes. the The job in that offense of the quarterback is throw the ball to the open receiver, and that offense will find open receivers for you. So it's just it's a simple job, but it's not an easy job. You have to be a little bit of a cerebral quarterback. It's why everyone always talked about Brady going there. It's why people talked about Kirk Cousins being the perfect fit in San Francisco because. That offense where you just let him find that find that open guy is where he thrives. The idea that he is right now the favorite to be league MVP is insane. Because and me as one of the biggest running back haters on the planet, I would have Christian McCaffrey as MVP before I would have. Yes, uh, I would as well. I would as well. Dak Prescott should be the absolute runaway favorite for MVP right now for the past six to eight weeks. He's taken them from. The, when they lost the 49ers, oh, they're done. The The Cowboys are done. They're not going to be good enough to compete in the NFC. He's taken them to the point now where they're you know, a game this week away from being up in the division or being level with the Eagles in the division. So he would be my MVP. If it's not Dak, then I think that's when this year some of the non-quarterbacks go into it. But the idea that it's Brock Purdy for being good at executing the offense just just feels like it is devaluing what MVP is supposed to mean. Yes. Now, can I ask can I ask where it came from this all of a sudden Brock Purdy? Because I mean if I accuse Jordan Love of being functional, which irritated Charles, that's precisely what he is for San Francisco. Functional does the job that in that Shanahan offense. Where did the talk of MVP come from? I it's, well it's because he's he's piloting the best team in football at the moment and he's not making mistakes. So therefore, people will lump money on it. That's why. It's not difficult. This is the, I mean, the best player in the league this year, in my view, in terms of his position, and if you consider every position, is is Hill, Tyree Hill. I mean, he's running away with it. He's probably going to go over 2,000 yards. But then we don't like him because he, you know, he's a not a very nice chap and he's a wide receiver, so he's not going to win the, what the, you know, I mean, he's, the MVP. But he's, he's getting hype for MVP. He's just... Yeah, he's but he's never going to win it. He's he's no. you and I have got more chance of winning it than he does. It's just not going to happen, you know. We, we I mean we win MVP on this podcast every week, but I mean that's no saving grace for us. Uh, Party's <laughs> got the best passer rating 
of the year, I think, so far, is about the only thing that you can give him over anyone else. Um, Prescott's second when it comes to that. Uh, their stats at the moment are very similar. If you look at Purdy's thrown 23 touchdowns to six interception for Prescott's 26 to six. Um, you know, I agree, Dak's been more significant to his team's output than Purdy has, I think. Uh, and I think it is just, yeah, the eyes are on him and therefore it's the easy conversation. I think it's hype. Uh, I don't think he's in the co- I don't think he's there. I don't think he's top five um, players at all. There's there's definitely a lot more that you would come to before that. CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's got more of a shout on it than Stroud. Stroud's behind Tyreek Hill in the in the running for it, which seems odd to me given if if Stroud gets the Texans into the playoffs, I could see the argument for it being him. Because that's a that's an offense that has come significantly further forward, a team that's come significantly further further forward. D'Amico Ryan should be locked in for coach of the year. I know I'm aware that the Lions fans are going to think that's me just hating the Lions again. And maybe it is, but D'Amico Ryan's turning the the Texans into a potential playoff team, potential AFC South winning team if the Jaguars continue to take a little bit of a, a drop down. In year one, when you look at how bad that team was a year ago, is that that's one of the best coaching jobs in the last few years. I agree, but we all know when it when it comes down to Alabama, will get MVP. That's <laughs> Do do we have any do, Cameron? Do we have any rants about the hand ringing that people had about college football this week? Uh, I need to properly look. And actually, do you know what? There's a rant here that's. I, I'm going to come to a rant because there's one here about what we've just been talking about. So Stephen Briggs has said, "I'm a week late for this one. I've just checked the odds and things have changed. I was going to ask when Brock Purdy was going to get the recognition he deserves, as his odds to be MVP last week were over plus fourteen hundred. So there's you see plus fourteen hundred. What is it now? So he's now just just dipped below Dak. So he's now plus three fifty. So I mean, what a drop! A thousand over a thousand. Jesus. Um, so so for- Paul had him tenth. So hang on. So now he's joined first in the betting at plus three fifty. Jesus, I should have fucking read this. And Hearts and Prescott, according to Fox Sports. Over to you then, Cam. Stand up for Brock and don't let McGuinness and Patterson or his packet of stool butter bully you into the cries of system quarterback. And, and you, and you Bardi, rolled over. Bardi and you rolled over percentage yards attempt, EPA per play this season. I, I, I Listen, I get the stats. The, you can look at the stats, but if you look at the games, he's, he's playing really well. He's playing great. I think there's a... You know, the... There's a conversation here. He is a, as it is right now, he is a good QB that can lead this team forward. Brilliant. I don't know that he's in that MVP. I feel like there's so much work done by his receivers. And if we go back to the nominations, the next one up is Debo Samuel. And I think if you take it out of the game, the contribution that Debo Samuel had, and there's in a week where there's some unreal wide receivers performances, DK Metcalf, my Lord. But I think what Debo Samuel did was arguably better because against the Eagles and the way and the contribution that he had to the game. But, you know, seven touches, 138 yards, three touchdowns. I think the fact that he was so vocal about the fact that if Brock had been in the championship game, things would have been different. He backed it up. uh, And I think it was really important. I cannot believe believe that we have cucked Cameron into becoming a Brock Purdy hater. No, I'm not! This is the this is a great day. 
proudest I have been of our efforts this I've season. Never, I've never been at all, bro. It's a humbling anyway, day for ima- Imagine turning on your own quarterback like that. Well, he I turned just... on his own team years ago. He never bets on them to win. <laughs> so the quarterback was inevitable at some point. So explain to somebody who might not understand what plus 1,400 going to plus 350 means. It's like the, fair, the odds are coming in. One on, down about 3 to 1. Yeah. Okay, so it's obviously an American betting system. That's fine. Yes. Yes. Um, so, fine. Debo Samuel's nomination. Uh, DK Metcalf gets one nomination from Long Callahan. Six receptions on eight targets for 134 yards and three touchdowns. Played Deron Bland for most of the first half of the game. Thankfully, Dan Quinn switched Gilmore and Bland for the second half and limited his damage in the second. Peter Coyne gives it in the same game to Geno Smith. Probably not the absolute best performance, but the best over expectation. There was chat about whether he deserved to even be a starter. And he went to one of the best defences in the league and came very close despite a mismatch in overall talent. Jake Browning gets one from Sarah Taylor. In his second career start, he got 345 yards and one touchdown. David Brown just gives it to, in fact, David Brown and Joe Stephen both give it to the Dolphins. David Brown says it's tuddies, tuddies, and more tuddies. Uh, I hate that word. I hate, no, I hate saying and you can't, it. No, you're playing Washington and it doesn't count. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> At least you're consistent, Charles. <laughs> um, Some Scott teams Mc- you're not allowed to be nominated for good performances against. There's a whole pile of draws at the bottom of the league. You can't be nominated. Sticking with the great wide receivers, Mike Evans gets a nomination from Scott McKenzie. Seven catches, 162 yards and a touchdown this week to top it off. He's only extended his NFL record of consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to start a career and second only to Jerry Rice for consecutive 1,000-yard seasons and he's done it with some crap at quarterback. The only thing that might stop him getting 1,000 yards would be Cameron throwing him the ball. I think that's rude. I think I could at least contribute a yard towards those. No, let's not go down that road again, please. Um, the New England Patriots get a nomination from Cameron Christie for being so abject they might just be bad enough to draft a decent quarterback just a shame there'll be nothing around them on the offence but then Paul O'Shea actually gives it to the Patriots D only giving up two field goals to the Chargers is decent only giving up 46 points in the last four games a league best is some going the fact that they've done that and their own four is also some going especially with how often they're on the field there's 10, a, there's points, a, 10 points or less three games in a row and they've the, the, all three. <laughs> yeah. There's something about what's what's happening there. I'm wondering whether Bill Belichick, because he's he knows it, his time is coming, whether he's trying to deliberately kill American football as we know it. He's trying to just eviscerate it from the face of the earth by having no semblance of entertainment in anything that goes on the telly. It's just a good thing that they're not in prime time this week. Oh, Shit, they are. <laughs> I, yeah, Al, we'll Ma- to that. Al oh, have to take. Yeah, Al Michaels will take the week off. There's no way, you know, he he'll be lying down on a table. Apparently, the over under for that game. game is less than thirty. <laughs> this is extraordinary. I know what I'd be taking on that. Peter uh, Vance and Kenny Law both back Sam Laporta. Kenny says, proper good player, 140 yards on nine catches and a touchdown. He's exactly the player people thought Kyle Pitts would be. Mm. <laughs> Jason, slight, slight caveat there around the fact that Arthur Smith just desperately doesn't want to throw the ball to the good players in that offense just for the fantasy banner. 
Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, Jason Hoffman and Phil Spears, our uh, two Buffalo Bills fans, have both gone for the same nomination. Uh, they've nominated the bye week. Uh, Jason says the Bills didn't get screwed over by the refs this weekend, although I did hear rumours that the league was going to find them for not having enough players on the field. Phil says, finally got some sleep on a Sunday night before silly o'clock and thusly was able to be a proper functioning member of society on Monday. Not had the chance to watch loads, so can't comment. However, this gets me in the running for the whiskey, which is fair enough. Um, Packers D-line gets one from Olivia Ramage. So there's none for Jordan Love here, but there's one for the defense, especially the defense line, because they hammered Patrick Mahomes and stopped Kansas City converting third downs into touchdowns. Rashan Gary, Preston, Preston Smith, and Luke Van Ness had great games, and their progress is fantastic. Can we take a very brief moment to talk about the ridiculous rough in the passer call? It, now, it wasn't like a one-sided thing. There was potentially some pass interference calls and stuff like that that were missed. The they were the worse. Passer, the rough the, no, the, the MVS the one was worse. The, the rough in the passer call is horrendous. He's mm. in bounds. I agree. It was horrendous. Passer. No, it was horrendous. Do you know, do you know what was worse? Do you know, I, I, I make a point of not moaning and groaning or kind of banging on about refereeing decisions because ultimately referees are human. There was a lot of mistakes. But the more concerning thing was the fact that Patrick Mahomes gets up from that and he's wobbling all over the place and they didn't check him out. Yeah, yes. So so they did check him, but then they just decided, okay, he's okay. Because you saw the official kind of like talk to him, do the kind of like almost like what a boxing referee does. And then he was just like, all right, okay, cool. You're cool. And then he kind of staggered away and it was like, oh, that's... Nah, nah, you get him in the tent and check him out. And, oh, I think... Don't, you know, I I know that some some people here deal in conspiracy theories, but it is Patrick Mahomes. He is the superstar of the league. It's not very convenient for him in a prime time game to be taken out of the game, uh, especially in a situation where he's trying to, you know, orchestrate a comeback. I don't think that there's any suggestion that there was any kind of conspiracy there, but it helps to keep him on the pitch because it keeps the viewers entertained and it helps the narrative, doesn't it? So Who that's more concerning for me. His- who here deals in conspiracy theories and which conspiracies did he deal in? That's the question that's my follow-up there. Um, yeah, there you go. Right. Um, there is one other nomination that we'll talk about that we haven't mentioned so far. Uh, and Jamie DePellet Super. Um, Jamie DePellet Super. Sorry if I've mispronounced your name. Big Dom. Philly Eagles Head of Security. They're there to protect the team and was separating the Niners from antagonizing the team. Much respect to all security teams for all 32 teams. Yes. He shouldn't have been ejected. Fred Warner should have been. Fred Warner? No, Fred Warner. What did Fred Warner do? Sorry, Dre Greenlaw. Sorry, wrong linebacker. So no, 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 no. If you're a guy, if if you're a player wearing pads, you should never, ever strike the face of someone, be it a coach, an official or something, can't happen. Um, I agree. Greenlaw so, was an absolute idiot. I'm so, not defending him in the slightest. So I could be wrong, but my read on the Big Dom thing was, and I believe him and the 49ers have talked about this, and I think they've accepted his explanation, was Dre Greenlaw was coming towards that sideline and he was like, I'm trying to separate this situation then he gets him in the face, and then it kind of all kicks off. Mm, I uh, uh, wasn't well, going towards the sideline. The two players squared up, and he stepped in and pushed Greenlaw away. Uh, I mean, I think Greenlaw's stepping towards their sideline. 
it was on the sideline. It was all done on the sideline. But the, yeah, the like players, stepping, mo- stepping they both stepped forward. towards each other. They squared up to each other. That wasn't a, a Eagles player receding and Greenlaw going in. It was a coming together. Um, okay. I, I agree, Cameron, and, and what Gordon says is right. The guy shouldn't be throwing his arm out at anybody. But the head of security has got no place there. He's got no place on that sideline at that point. That's for coaches and players. He doesn't need to be there. That's his not, job as head of security. No, no, it's not. Not when it comes out. It's up to the referees to referee the game and to get in between the players. It's not for guys on the sideline who are not coaches to I, get involved in that. Okay, he but if you're not if be you're, there doing that, if you're head of security and let, I'm not suggesting Dre Greenlaw would have done this, but let's say Dre Greenlaw goes up and shoves o- over Nick Sirianni and Nick Sirianni breaks his leg. Dom gets fired because that's part of your job. No, no. Of course, it, your head. What, what so, you are, you, are you telling me your your head coach as, as a bouncer is is that you're, there's too many people in there as it is? It should be for coaches and players. Your head of security should not be standing right on the touchline, right beside the action. There is no need for that. He should be there, in the background, yes, but he cannot come onto the field and start getting involved. That's the wrong thing to do. The referees are there to get in with the players, and the coaching staff is there. I've never seen a great deal of history in the NFL where you need a head of security on the sidelines getting involved on the pitch. That's the wrong thing to do, and he shouldn't have been there doing and that. And we see tussles like that on the sideline all the time right and it's sorted out by officials and fine coaches might step in and they'll just stand in between they're not pushing folk away or anything like that the the worrying thing for me with this is i feel like it sets a precedent now let's make him a hero there'll be t-shirts with him on who's going to be the next guy to step up and get do something stupid you know already a cult hero there anyway so and and that's probably why so his ejection came a little bit after the fact which would tell you that the NFL have radioed in and said, uh, "Yeah, we, we can't, can't allow have that. this to be." Yeah. So there's no, there's no. The precedent that's been set is that you will get ejected for that as well. Yes. Um. And I think that's it. He didn't step in and like save his player who's under some great threat. No, no. Greenlaw was an idiot. Greenlaw, no I'm excuse. I'm not suggesting he was saving his player, but what I'm suggesting is like. There's coaches on the sideline. Part of his job is to protect those coaches. He's trying to step in to make sure that's not there. There's then a bit of shoving and he gets hit. So how have we never seen this before? Like, I've never seen a security person get involved like that. And there's tussles like this all the time in front of coaches. Like, I, I, just... I'm, I'm assuming it's a case of like, one, I think he probably is someone who's potentially closer than other, other head, uh, heads of security are. But it's because it was like backing into and people were now going towards the coaches. Yeah, but I don't think he should have been right in that particular part of the field either. You've got to be further back. That's not where your head of security should be. That's the playing surface, and you should not be walking on the playing surface. There's no need for that. Coaches, mm-hmm. players, and officials should be getting in there. And if not, the, then the NFL should be coming out uh, and defining what the role should be of these guys. The head coaches don't yeah. need a bouncer beside them. I think you're right. I think you're right about the second point. They should define the role. But you do see heads of security going on to fields in other sports. I don't see any reason why, if the situation demands it, that they would do it in the Do NFL. you feel that situation demanded it? Um, well, for the banter, yeah, it was highly amusing and I don't think it was totally justified. <laughs> and so I would I would side with Cameron. Um, and do you know what? If you're going to be stupid enough to take on a guy that size, then you deserve, to, if you're Dre Greenlaw, to be booted out of the game. 
Oh, I, I totally agree. Greenlaw was an absolute fanny. Like, there's not two ways about so, it. 100%. Cool as soon as he did it, I was like, what are you doing? Even the, the slamming them down. Don't be uh, a, look, I, it's no like, it's like the kit man slaughtering somebody, you know, on the sideline. Or, I don't know, someone getting into a fight with a, with a fan. I, yeah, I, I it's, thought, just, it's part of the entertainment factor for me. The The... I thought the Niners did a good job of getting in the heads of the Eagles. And unfortunately, somebody got in the head of Greenlaw and he needs to learn from that. Unfortunately, he's got a tendency to be like this um, and he's a loose cannon. And Fred Warner needs to just keep him under control. Uh, if we can keep him under control, he's a great player. But yeah, yeah he, was a, he was a dickhead as well. Right, fine. Who is our belter of the week? We need to do this. Jordan we- Love. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. So I've slagged him off all season, and he was the best quarterback in the NFL this week. And had the did best he rate team. high the highest in PFF this week? He did highest graded. Wasn't our team of the week? Wrote it up on. Well, Monday given morning. we're all obsessed with quarterbacks, um, I'm saying nothing. Who are you picking this year? I thought DK Metcalf had quite a good game. That was like that felt like about six years ago. So yeah, <laughs> I I feel like by the time we talk about it, though, the Thursday game is so long ago that it almost doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> Okay, so we've got one nomination for Jordan Love. Anyone um, coming in with anything? Debo uh, Samuel. One for Debo. Charles. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, oh. Um, you have the power to give your quarterback. No, I'm no. I don't want to be accused of being a homer. I don't think that that would be appropriate. Anyway, I said I wouldn't talk about Jordan Love on this podcast anymore. Can you can you give me another vote in? in no, that's not how this works. As a proxy. Yeah. No proxy voting. <laughs> As I, is in the Smash Constitution this, this of 2022, not, this is not there will the be no proxy voting. This, this is not the Rangers AGM, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our carbon footprint is absolutely nothing, by the way. We're all here on the internet. Um, and I've grown some trees behind me. Um, so it's I'm going to give my belter of the week to um, a man who, again, has, you know, quietly gone about his business over the course of time uh, in his in, in the NFL. And I just read the stat that actually he has surpassed the legend that is Marvin Harrison in the first four seasons. Uh, Michael Pittman, a hundred, uh, he's got more catches than Mar- Marvin Harrison, one of the all-time great receivers in his first four seasons Marvin Harrison has for the Colts. Um, and I think that the fact that Colts are seven and five with Garner Minshew at quarterback is quietly one of the underrated stories of the season. So there you go. Great. So, no so Cameron, you have the casting vote, and it's between Jordan Love, it's between you being a homer and giving it to Debo Samuel, or Charles giving it to Michael Pittman, who's <laughs> interested because it's just so out of left field. So take your pick. All yours, Cameron. You go for it. Right. I'm going to be a big, fat, stinking homer. Uh, Debo Samuel, let's You're raise the glass. You are the belter of the week. Charles, you absolutely uh-huh. played yourself there. That's horrendous. <laughs> exactly. No, it's fine. I'm quite, I'm quite happy. I'm totally happy because I knew he'd do that because he's a dick. I'm so accused of not fine. being a homer, and I genuinely feel like it's the one time that that final touchdown, like it was a, like a hot knife through butter. It was, it was great to watch. Here's the last thing I'll say about that game as well: is I feel like we've shown too many of our cards and that's my worry is like the Eagles have now gone oh jeez but they can go and watch that tape and figure out how to deal with that and come back there's plenty of time to get injured over the next six weeks well indeed and Debo in particular has got a habit of that okay team of the week let's do this one quickly because we know that Debo Samuel's in there 
I, I'm happy to put what? love in there. Thank you. Good. Um, and I think DK Metcalf needs to go in there for his performance as well. Yes. You can't score three touchdowns against the Cowboys and not. Yes, I agree. Okay. Even Are though he, pretty... he really doesn't run very fast. Um, I, th- th- by the way, the play from college was at the Iowa... Um, mm, that's an the Iowa play. special teams. That that was better than Metcalf's. I'm just saying. Better. It's not getting the same hype. But um, Yes, it is. It's getting an absolute ton of hype. It's getting a ton of hype, but not the same. Of, it's all I've seen on social media this week. It's getting the same hype. Stop mm. talking nonsense. Um... <laughs> Uh, Sam Laporta at tight end. Yes. Mike, oh, kind of, yes. Kind of agreed that. Mike yeah. Mike Evans, both for this week and also is Mike Evans um, over Tyreek Hill. Uh do we we have we have three wide receivers though, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so we've got uh, Metcalf Evans, and Samuel. Hell. Oh yeah, we have, have Samuel. No, let's let's give it to Mike Evans um because we the milestone. Hell, hell, hell to be fair, did go very quiet after the first quarter. So Yeah. Um okay. What's our line? San Francisco. Oh, oh, okay. And then who's our running back? Uh, you McCaffrey. have to see McCaffrey was yeah, impressive again. Good. But running running backs don't matter, so it doesn't R- matter. Running and receiving, I think. Henry, Henry had two touchdowns and then got injured. Then got injured, yeah. I think McCaffrey was worker's a receiver as well. I think it's worthy of him. Uh, what about James Conner with his revenge game against the... Steelers. Revenge game. <laughs> two, two touchdowns, 105 yards. It was impressive. Yeah, fine. It was impressive Let's considering get... it was spread out over 14 hours as well. Do you know what? Given given the fact that Johnny was so upset for a couple of weeks when Jalen Warren didn't get it, let's give it to a former Steelers running back. Uh, yeah. Against the, <laughs> against the Steelers. Just really. for you, Johnny. There you go. Don't say we don't think of you here on this podcast. There you go. That's for all your support, Johnny. Thanks. Um... Right, couple of rants. So let's get into these. Ross Taylor. If it's true that Goodell is wanting to ban the brother- brotherly shove, it's a nonsense. And this is coming from a Cowboys fan. It's up to other teams to counter it. I also don't understand why players are jumping up and over, playing it as a snake. They need to treat it as a scrum and get low and hard. Why is such a rich league so reluctant to hire rugby coaches to deal with a rugby play? This I, I agree with Ross on that, and the Niners did it as well. Everybody goes high, and the egos go low, and I don't understand why people continue to go high. Not once his heart's gone over the top; he goes underneath. I don't I agree. I don't really care about the brotherly shove discourse anymore. It's good. It'll rumble in at the off season. We'll have more discussion about it. I don't. Know I don't know how they ban it. I don't know what they ban about it. Like, what is the bit about it they ban? It's the so in theory you're not supposed to be able to shove another player forward. But then we've been celebrating so much of that. Like Pacheco. Yes. Pacheco yes. had one and he got pushed by his own line another four or five yards. Exactly. And went, Isn't he kept going? And it's like, well, what is Except this? They're good plays. I keep them in. Yes, I agree. Um, anyone who has field access outside of the coaching staff should still be subject to an exclusion zone, keeping them away from the field and getting involved with the action. 
even in the case of Big Dom, surely the greater threat to players and coaching would be from the fans in the stands, and that's where his priorities should be focused, says Lauren said, Callahan. Oh, right? Lauren, stop being so bloody boring. Ha- hang on, though. Just because so, you're worried about Big Dom smacking Micah Parsons in uh, AT&T at the weekend. Look, look at he the won't sa- be able to. He'll be banned for the season. No, he sure. won't. No, they'll get him. They'll <laughs> smuggle him in. in like, <laughs> you know, you remember Josie Mourinho got smuggled into a game in like it's a close like Yeah. They'll <laughs> smuggle him in in a van. Yeah, like Gordon elbow. Lauren, you're right. Dropping the scoreboard at AT&T. Third, third quarter, Eagles down by four. My God, that's Big Dom's music. <laughs> it's the meatball. Yeah, no, anyway. Nobody right. heard that. You just shouted really loudly. And it just Sorry. Your microphone. I shouted, it's the meatball marinara. It's Big Dom from the top rope. But anyway, good. I like that. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> So Peter Coyne says, hip drop tackles. Hard to know if it's just a narrative based off a small sample size, but the videos of them are gruesome. Sometimes it looks a miracle guys haven't been injured. Gordon, do you have a view on this one? Because I feel like this is one that you would analyze. Uh, it's So it is a symptom of uh, when they decided to try and push people away from contact with helmet and stuff like that and contact with the head which is causing obviously serious issues and it is something that i think the nfl will look to ban it is going to be very difficult because there's going to be a subjective part of it like the the mark andrews one earlier this season with the bengals you can kind of explain that away a bit that he's not really trying to to hip drop but it basically serves the same function of a horse collar which they banned because it was leading to broken legs so i I would be more confident that gets banned than the brotherly shove. David Brown rants about red zone not covering the Chargers Patriots game enough. Because <laughs> it was still scoring. I Is think he it's being ironic? Target. I think it might be. I think it might be. Um, Cameron Christie says, it's not a rant, but surely there's something to be said about one of the very few good Thursday night football games this year coming with two games who had seven coming from two teams who had seven days rest. I get it's difficult to schedule, but they really should be trying to put teams coming off the bye onto Thursday night football where possible. Yes. The the only thing I would say is I think NFL teams like it working in reverse. So they like having, no, that's not true. Actually. They like the fact that you get effectively a mini buy. So yeah, I think that would be a very sensible way to do it going forward. That wasn't, but that wasn't just one of the best Thursday night games this year. It was, Probably the best Thursday night game ever. Mm. It was brilliant. Really good game. Uh, Not that Van... Al Michaels would have told you it was the best Thursday night game ever. He had a great time. God. <laughs> he, 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 he stayed you know awake till the very end. It's his purgatory that he has to deal with this week's Thursday night game off the back of that. Um, Kenny Log gives it to bad officiating this week. None more so than the last drive of the Packers Chief game. Bad look for the Shield. We've covered on that one. Kieran Vance has said, Eagles fans booing their team. Are they the most obnoxious and ungrateful fans in the league? I'd hate to see them if they had a run like the Browns, Lions, Jets and Jags have had in recent years. Well, yes. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I agree. We've got one. Which football playoff committee 
okay, it was always going to be a tight call for the fourth team, but to snub undefeated Florida State seems incredibly harsh. They have basically said it's because Jordan Travis is out and they aren't the same team. Imagine the NFL followed a similar format and didn't allow the Eagles to go to the playoffs when Wentz got injured and, of course, led to Nick Foles going down in history. Bizarre setup, but at least an expanded version next year should avoid this kind of mess, says Paddy Kelly. The like the NFL doesn't have a committee to decide the playoffs, so that is why. The in college football you have the power five conferences, you have the group of five conferences, but the power five are the, the big ones. We've had years before this whereby one of the teams from the group of five, like UCF went undefeated two years in a row, Western Michigan went undefeated, they didn't get in the they didn't get into the college football playoff because it's only four teams. When you're only picking four teams and you're trying to set up the semi-final for the best four teams, things like this are always going to happen. It's not... Where I take issue with it is the people that turned it into this massive, big referendum on everything to do with college football. Oh, this just means the regular season games don't matter. You had American senators uh, tweeting out letters demanding uh, <laughs> investigate why Florida State didn't go in. This simply comes down to between four teams, because Georgia were part of the discussion as well. Texas, conference winners with one loss, who had beaten Alabama. Alabama, conference winners who had one loss to Texas, who they put in the playoff, and they'd just beaten the defending champions. Georgia, who had one loss to that same Alabama team. Florida State, who had no losses, but it was in the ACC, which is a weaker conference than the SEC. And I wouldn't necessarily agree, but the committee are saying it's weaker than the Big 12. If your argument is, I think Florida State are a better team than Alabama for this reason, this reason, this reason, fine. I don't care. There were four teams who were good enough to be those two teams that were the final two in. You have to pick. As long as you've got a good argument for it, fine. Don't really care. Let's just not pretend it needs to be a referendum on the sanctity of the sport. Alabama, if anyone doesn't think Alabama have a case at being one of the best four teams in college football right now, you haven't watched college football this year. Yeah, so yeah, I agree with what you say, but Georgia out, Alabama in, and that's job done. Uh, FFU have been screwed. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but but the know, problem though is that if you so if you do that, so let's say you swap out Texas for Florida State, Texas then gets screwed. If you swap out, if you swap out and you do Florida State and you do Texas and Alabama out, then Alabama got screwed. They just won the it, SEC. They only lost it, one game to Texas. FSU were in the top four. They went and won their championship game. They've done nothing wrong, and they get screwed over. But they have it's, been screwed it's not, over. It's not about doing anything wrong, though. It's about the fact that you're viewing another team as better. Yeah, again, and and you this this is great because it's a pub argument because yes. there is no. It's a, a pub argument yes. because it's a committee and it's a group of people yeah. with opinions that decide the outcome rather than oh, facts. I, I mean, imagine the if they had to decide it by VAR. God. <laughs> But I know what you mean. Like, if they were in the top four and then they slipped out of the top four, even though they still won, to a team that weren't in the top four and got in, and they're doing that based because they just think that they've had a tougher season, then you're like, well, why weren't they in the top four before they played that game anyway? Because because then they beat another team that was in the top four that only lost by three, so they nudged a win. And then it is, it's because it's not based on fact. It's based on feel and gut it's, and opinion. It's based opinions. on feel and opinion. And, yeah. and, and it's based on... So, like... A big part of the committee's former coaches, which notoriously are these are people biased. Who- 
go go based on feel and go be- and and apparently one of the things they did was they asked the coaches who would you rather play right now Florida State or Alabama and the coaches were like I'd rather play Florida State because they're going to be an easier game and and to that point though when the the clip of the Michigan team seeing who they got who's number four who are Michigan getting and it comes out as Alabama and there's groans all around the room yeah which speaks a little bit to the fact that they probably they didn't want it. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't want it, uh, and it's just like, oh uh, yeah, um, it, it's one that's not going to be resolved, and I don't even think this well, will no, be. But this will be more resolved when be. they expand it, but there'll still be an argument because no. there'll still be teams messed no, out. No, 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 because no one gives a shit about the thirteenth <laughs> ranked teams in the Correct. country. Why are we wasting ten minutes of the podcast no, on those... this absolute pish? People care when it's 4v5 and it's big teams. See, when it gets down to 13, 14, 12 versus 13, all that stuff, they're going to be small enough teams or far enough back in the bigger conferences that there's going to be no controversy. People won't care. Two more rants... Yeah, two more rants to cover before we finish up. Uh, one for you, Mr. Mitchell. Um, Jason Hoffman says uh, he wants to rant about Paul Mitchell for cutting off my heartfelt opus mid-rant. Jeez, oh, I spent at least three minutes on it. I think I even spell-checked it. So, <laughs> obviously, you didn't fully read his rant last week. He must have just done the abridged version. Um, I, I did skillful, skillful speed reading as a broadcaster to amend it to a more impactful statement. Which is what I'm not capable of, and maybe we should get Paul to do it every week. Did you just, sub it, did you just sub-edit bits of it out that you didn't like to read out, Paul? I, as I went along. Brilliant. Scott. I do think, I actually think Jason casts an especially in your direction, Charles, and Paul cut it out. So, you know, he's 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 protecting his team. I wasn't, I wasn't here. I can't even remember what the rant was, but it can't have been that good. <laughs> right. The last one I'm going to give to Paul O'Shea, because I think this is something, this rant section is something that we all enjoy. This allows you to get things off your chest and we're open to anything. Paul O'Shea says, for the third week in a row, I've seen zero football, not one single throw or tackle, nada. Moving house is a bollock. But know what's an even bigger bollock? Buying a house that's walk-in condition so nothing needs done, Samantha's words, and still having to repaint every wall, rip up carpets, put down flooring, install panels because she's decided she doesn't like any of the walk-in condition. I was sold a dream. Still, it could be worse. I could be watching Patriots games. Well, Samantha's well, not like, what- to this. It is like watching paint dry, so he's got a point. Yes, listen, we totally get that. There is nothing worse than moving house as well. I'd just like to echo that sentiment. Um, it is an awful process, no matter how you do it or when you do it. Uh, and our heart goes out to you. But do you know what, Paul? You're in now for Christmas. Settle in. You're in for the business end of the season. Uh, you've got Thursday night football to look forward to. Gentlemen, will you all be sitting up to watch the Patriots versus the Steelers? Mitch no. Trubisky versus Bailey Zappi. Ezekiel Elliott with one gammy knee against, I don't even know, Jalen Warren, we, probably. Yeah, Jalen Warren, who we avoided for the team of the week a few weeks ago. No. So let's move on. Gordon, will you, have, no. to, Gordon, will you have to sit up and watch it and report on it? No, in any shape thankfully or not. I, I think I've told you this before. The only, the only primetime game I've stayed up for this year was Ravens-Bengals. I get, I get up after the game in the morning, fresh is maybe a stretch because I'm <laughs> I'm 37, so I'm permanently tired. Um, but get up, get on my bike, watch, watch the game in 40 or 50 minutes. Paul's giving you a dark look there. I know. It's 50 something <laughs> so far. Jeez. Um, 
I also say, just for clarity, when Gordon says get on his bike, it's his exercise bike. Don't cycle and watch uh, Red Zone or Game in 40. Please keep your eyes on the road at all times. Cycling safety should be taken seriously. Please also stick to the highway code at all times. Consider pedestrians. They're more vulnerable than you. You might think you own the road, cyclists, and you do have a certain level of clout, but not as much as you should. Anyway. So you're not allowed to run over them anymore? No, that's that's frowned upon, sadly. But yeah, They're also not allowed to run over pedestrians, which they've not also quite got, based okay. on certain things on the internet. But there you go. Um, what are the games then coming up this week that you're most looking forward to? Oh. It's a fairly hideous slate, it has mm. to be said. Bills Chiefs. Yeah, Bills, Bills Chiefs. Chiefs tasty. I, yeah. Eagles Cowboys. Well, yeah, that's the only two games I've written down. Seahawks oh, Niners is tasty. Seahawks Niners, no, I think that could be 40 or 50 points. Um, I don't think so. That's never the case oh, with up. us in the we, they just They just put 42 points on the Eagles, and the Seahawks are in free fall. I think there's 40 points coming there, that, that day. I, I think there's a, I think it's a pretty. I think it's decent. Vikings Raiders looks completely batshit bonkers. Yep. The, um, the Bengals Bengals Colts, and so there's two games between so the Colts and the Bengals and the Jaguars Browns is two sets of teams with backup or third string quarterbacks, all in playoff contention. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's going to be fun. The Ravens are against the six and six Rams, and the Ravens' schedule coming up, coming off a bye, this is prime trap game territory. I think Raiders Vikings is an interesting game because there's two backup quarterbacks there. The Vikings are not out of postseason contention, but need to sort their shit out pretty quickly. Oh, also, the Raiders also showed little signs of being a little bit better after McDaniels was away. So. Right. Rooting, rooting interest so that everyone is aware. We are, we are hoping that the Buccaneers beat Atlanta because that would take us to uh, a team six and six and six and six and six. No, no, no. It'd be six and seven, six and seven, and a Saints win over the Panthers, which you would hope you would have three teams at six and seven. Oh, the sexy. You know, there are uh, a quarter of the teams in the NFL are six and six, and they're all. We've all got a great shot at the playoffs, which talks about the absolute dross in the middle of the pack across the board. I mean, I there think, are. I think we talk, to I, the injuries I, this season. There are, yeah. I mean, there's been an extraordinary number of quarterback injuries, but that to be to be able to find that consistency, if you can go on a little winning run between now and Christmas, then and you're at six and six, there's a pretty good chance you'll be playing playoff football. Now, you might not last more than the wild card round, but. Keep in, job. No, in knockout football, you never know. You just never know. Can I can I go out on a limb and entirely jinx someone this week? Sure. Bills beat the Chiefs. Okay. Mm. I have a feeling that the Bills beat the Chiefs as well, which means that I might also be doubling down on your it's jinx. It's a double jinx. We're gonna get yeah, a a, we're gonna get another rant next week from Jason and Phil. <laughs> so so <laughs> lads like does. So if the Bills beat the Chiefs, we'll probably watch the Andy Reid go out and start dating Lady Gaga just to take away all of the bad things that are happening there and give them another lift, something like that. Yeah. It's not that, lifted, Kelsey's distracted. The fact that Paul knows who Lady Gaga is, is honestly... That's like, a revelation, that. It's only because she's played at halftime. He's moaned about her in a halftime show before, so that's, that's what true, that's, that's all about. <laughs> um, what, now, who... 
who did we see? Nelly's performance, uh, the Texas game, the Longhorns game at AT&T. I assume, Paul, that was one you tuned in for. It was shown on Sky Sports now that they've got the college coverage. Well, it's good that Sky have got the college coverage. It's terrific to have that back. Uh, I've missed that, but obviously it will appear on my YouTube feed because I've subscribed to Nelly's channel. Yeah. Um, so I look forward to watching that. It was Nelly. It wasn't Nelly the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it's getting hot in here. So, anyone got anything else to yeah, add? Yeah, I've got some things. Um, so oh, yeah. A bit of news. No, no, no. So, first of all, and I've just shared this with you all, um, it's tickled me. There is, despite their ineptitude, and I'm going to go through this, a potential route to the playoffs for the Patriots. So, I think this is a bit of a giggle. Um, they've got to beat the Steelers this week, which isn't impossible. Isn't impossible. They then have to beat the Chiefs, and we've just talked about how the Chiefs are not doing very well. Then they need to beat the Broncos, the Bills, and the Jets, and they should beat the Jets because um, they always beat the Jets. And then they need a combination of the Steelers losing out, the Texans losing out, the Bengals losing four of five, uh, the Chargers winning two and losing three, the Broncos losing four or five and the Bills losing four or five. Entirely possible. And then they would clinch the uh, number seven seed in the AFC. So if you're a Patriots fan out there, there is still hope. I am going to guess that that graphic is going to be out of date and defunct by Friday morning. (laughs) I hope so, but it's good to talk about it now. That's why Cameron needs to make sure he edits this podcast so that people can listen to this on Wednesday so that what I just said isn't out of date. I will get this edited. I don't think there's anything that I need to Mm. tidy up here, so... No, no. Um, my the only other new bits of news. So Christmas is coming, um, and there will I can announce that there will be once more um, the annual Stramash festive quiz. Um, I have begun work on it. It will be, in my view, the best one so far this year. Um, it is the festive quiz. It is not the Christmas quiz or the winter quiz. It is the festive quiz quiz because we are inclusive and we welcome all religions to the Stramash family. Paul in the background smashing his tablet off the off the floor, like, screaming Stramash has gone woke. Are you, are you slaving about Batterson? That is you could barely say the words festive and quiz together. Go back to Christmas quiz. We at least know you can Try pronounce saying that. Stramash festive quiz really fast. Like yeah. repeated after it's like saying red lorry, yellow lorry. It's really difficult. Is that what one of the questions is going to be on the no, night? It will be. Um, and actually, this is one strictly for the Patreons group. Um, I just wanted to give an update on my jigsaw because mm. I was gifted, some of you might recall last year, by my brother in law, who's a Bears fan, a Bears jigsaw, a 1000 piece jigsaw of Soldier Field. And um, I've shared a photo on uh, the WhatsApp group and I managed to build the pitch. And then my wife came in and went, what the hell are you doing? She had a look at it. And I do like a jigsaw around about Christmas time because, you know, it's dark. There's not a lot to do outside when you get home and the kids are driving. Is that festive time or Christmas time? Fe- no, Christmas time. I celebrate Christmas as a committed member of the Church of Scotland. But, I'm, you know, we include we I'm convinced you're saying Christmas every time you say it. Christmas. I it sounds like Merry Christmas. I, I celebrate Christmas. It's Christmas. Anyway, it's very, um, but much like the bears... The jigsaw pieces don't fit together properly. And so I have binned it. I've traded it. It's 
the, I mean, this jigsaw is encapsulates the bears. The pieces didn't fit together. It fell to bits when I tried to move it from one table to the next. You don't move and jigsaws. That's you a do, you, know, you do when it's on the kitchen table, and then people want to sit down and have their dinner. Um, so my brother-in-law is not going to listen to this, but um, for those of you hoping that I might finish it, it's not. It's going to the uh, recycling. <laughs> So you've treated like it Justin Fields. Four, yeah, treated it for a four-piece Jordan Love jigsaw. Yeah, you should be able to complete that. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be given that by uh, anyone for Christmas, <laughs> but I, I I remain in hope. Yeah, there we go. We'll I'll share that on the Patreons group. Yeah, it looks like you've completed about twenty-five percent of it. <laughs> Just like Justin Fields' percentage rate in his passing. <laughs> right. Anyone got anything else? That's then the full-time whistle for this episode of Stramash. Thank you for taking the time to listen to yet another week of bickering and bollocks. Uh, please continue to share your thoughts on everything that we say into here by reaching out on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter or join our Patreon group. Steve pounds a month. You get access to the WhatsApp group. There's lots of chat in there. You get to our events for free. We do other special things as well. Come and join and be part of the family. You're very welcome. Yes, if you like judgmental takes and shit takes, you've come to the right place. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We're delighted that Cameron's dial-up internet access, which he gets three hours a week for £25.99, has managed to stay up for this long. But for Gordon McGuinness, Charles Patterson, Cameron Hobbs and myself, thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>